0: The Mind Your Home podcast is now available on video. To watch the video associated with this episode and see any visuals that may be mentioned in the episode, follow the link in the description to the YouTube channel. You're listening to the Mind Your Home podcast. I'm your host, Mia Danielle, and I'm here to tell you that the number one thing you can optimize to give you more energy and happiness is your environment. If you're tired of the chaotic cycle and ready to feel energized at home with more simplicity, more energy, and less clutter, then welcome to the Mind Your Home podcast. It's 7 a.m. and I'm exhausted, and I'm stepping as gently as I can across these creaky wooden floors with very little foundation underneath, like so little that if I make enough sound, I might hear an animal scurrying away beneath the wood which would make even more noise. So I'm trying to be extra light. And this is difficult because I put on a lot of weight at this point. Five months ago, I was preeclamptic and two weeks overdue with my firstborn daughter, Abigail. It's 2006 and I just graduated in May five months ago. Yes, I literally started having contractions during finals, but I was determined after spending the last nine months through morning sickness and a preeclamptic pregnancy that I was going to finish that final. And after the six week healing period, I hit the job force working ungodly hours that people who weren't new grads didn't want to work. But this was my day off and I wanna see my baby girl while she's still sleeping. And this 650 square foot wooden box that we lived in at the time had a layout of my bedroom, a shared bathroom, and then a nursery on the other side. So there were two old creaky doors that I had to make it through before I could get into the nursery, which made it almost impossible to ever catch her sleeping. So I finally make it, and as I push the second door open to a crack, I can already see her propped on her forearms and a perfect 90 degree angle wide blue eyes staring straight at me. Not a sound. She looked like she had been awake for a while. And this was common for Abigail because Abigail was a content, quiet baby. Chloe has not been that. In the delivery room where I had Chloe, the nurse put on the required viewing material for all parents. Half of them were about breastfeeding and the other half were about something called purple crying, which is basically a new term for having a colicky baby. But the purple is an acronym of symptoms where the P stands for the peak of crying being at two months and then lessening from months three to five. The U being unexpected or not provoked. The R resists soothing. The P being a pain-like face. The L being long-lasting and the E being in the evenings. These training videos share how having a purple crier can wreak havoc on the parents because nothing will soothe a purple crier when they're purple crying. For those parents, it can lead to exhaustion and temporary insanity. The night after I delivered Chloe, she cried until 6am. Matt sat up with her in the lounge chair so that I could rest and he said to me, I think we have a purple crier. And I disagreed. I said, she probably just Needs a day or so to adjust to being earthside. Then she proceeded to purple cry every day thereafter, often from 7 to 7.30 p.m. until 4 or 5 in the morning, loudly and inconsolably. Now, don't get me wrong. She has been an amazing baby. She's happy. She's soothed by us. And the purple crying has pretty much stopped now that she's five months old. But up until that point, every evening, she would scream and wail inconsolably had been fed, had been changed, swaddled, rocked, All of the things, like we're holding her in our arms, trying to calm her down, walking her around the house. There was just something baked into her that hated evening times. And I share this because I know that I'm not alone. I watched the videos in the hospital. There are a lot of parents who go through this and maybe are totally unprepared. I had two daughters prior to Chloe and had never experienced anything like that before. From this experience, I've learned three things. Number one, every baby is different. Still from Forrest Gump, babies are like a box of chocolate, so you never know what you're going to get. Number two, I'm a much more patient person than I was 17 years ago. i got to say, I've been handling this really well, and so is Matt. And number three, my love for a minimalist lifestyle could possibly be overridden by my desire to make a baby stop wailing. So today I'm going to share with you what we own for a colicky infant, what our setup is, how we make it all work, and you know the things that I went back on since the previous videos that I did when I was still pregnant and I was planning my baby registry and setting up the nursery. When we're talking about essential baby items, your baby needs very little. Like very little, especially when they're newborns and they're not even like doing tummy time and all of that stuff yet. But the thing we sometimes don't think about is what will you need? And these are two very different things because they're solving two very different problems or pain points. And what you need might be different for each of your kids. So here's our current situation. If you saw the nursery planning video that I did a few months back, then you know that we have this adorable nursery cohabitat situation going on in my 15 year old's room. We haven't used that yet. And we probably won't for a while. We won't do it until we know that Chloe can sleep through the night because we want to, of course, respect Gracie, my 15 year old's space in there. So she's been sharing a room with us. This means that most of Chloe's stuff is generally in our room. So this is what it looked like before and I'll show you what it looks like now that we have some extra items in here. Now, when I was planning for our nursery, you'll notice that I left off things like a rocking chair and a baby swing and things that I felt were just not essential. And those were a couple of the things that we went back on after trying night after night to find new ways of soothing her to go to sleep. And I've tried some different setups inside of my space with these things. You'll notice we have the snuggle me that's on the floor under the desk now. There was a time where we tried to set it in the closet. on top of the dresser and make that its home. It just didn't last like that because inevitably something else would be set on top of the dresser and then we wouldn't have a spot to put the snuggle me. So recently when I asked you guys what you wanted to hear more of from me, a lot of you wanted to know, well, what's changed since you've had a baby? How are you able to still maintain minimalism and keep down all the stuff and the clutter with having a newborn and now an infant in the house? And so I'm just going to take you on a little tour of our space here, show you what we have, how we have everything set up, how we're able to keep down the clutter as much as possible even though some days it does feel like you know if this is my comfort zone I'm definitely up here at the peak of my comfort zone with the amount of stuff that we have. I'm somebody who really likes to keep things bare boned and I've had to compromise on that in order to find life satisfaction with the crying infant. So just kind of like working together with my space and this extra information and a few extra items that we have, this is what we have come up with.